Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's continue in our study of 2 Timothy. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Our sermon covered the opening of 2 Timothy, covering chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 2. And then our curriculum covered chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. And uh, so today we're going to go back and catch verse 14. Today and tomorrow we'll cover the last two verses covered by the curriculum and then move on uh, as of Wednesday of this week. So this is this is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. All right, so... Paul is encouraging Timothy to share in the sufferings of Christ like a good soldier, to press on in his calling. All right, he's, uh, he's personally suffering. You can hear the pain in Paul's letter as this is his final word that he's written. He's writing from Mamertine prison in this pit in the middle of a circle of a room in this, off the streets of Rome. Ultimately, historical tradition maintains that he would have his head cut off for the gospel and he just seems to know that it's coming. Now in verse 10, he says, this is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things. All right, so Paul is encouraging Timothy to remind the church of all these truths. We saw this in our, in our curriculum. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful promise. All right, if we die with him, we're also going to live with him. So Paul's maintaining his testimony in Mamertine prison. It's going to cost him his life, but he's going to live in Christ forevermore. If he endures, he's also going to reign with him. So you've got to endure pain. Continue suffering like a good soldier. If you deny him, he'll deny you. If you're, but if you're faithless, he remains faithful. It's amazing. Like even if you, even if you act out of faith with God, if you doubt, if you struggle, if you fail, he remains faithful. It's incredible. It's incredible to behold. Remind the church of these things, Timothy. Charge them before God not to fight about words. So he's telling Timothy to tell the church, don't fight about stupid definitions of words. Don't get caught up in meaningless speculations. It's useless. He's telling Timothy to look at the church at Ephesus and say, I charge you before God not to fight about words because it's useless and it leads to the ruin of those who listen. This word, this uh, what, what's being conveyed here is uh, this, this ruin is used one other time in scripture and it's in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, what's, that, what's being conveyed is, is like the false teachers whose destruction has long been looming over them and has not been sleeping. The word ruin, as it's translated in English, appears in the Greek only here in reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment. And if he didn't spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others when he brought the flood of the world on the ungodly. And if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to extinction, making them 
uh, an example of what is what is to come of the ungodly. And he goes on to say, and if he, and he talk about Lot, that word that he used to describe the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is the same word that's used to describe those who get caught up in meaningless arguments. That's the same kind of ruin. It's useless to just fight about words. Watch for this. We talked about this in our previous devotion. Watch for this. Ideological wars are waged in the dictionary and like movements that are manipulative will try to commit acts of semantics to change the definitions of words. The word has always had the same meaning. It's always meant what it means. But if the culture can begin to change what the word means, they can begin to change minds and ideas. This is something that Orwell wrote about a lot in his book, 1984, where there's this ministry of truth. We as the US accidentally just almost started one of those ministries of truth, <laughs> where there's this division within the state who determines what's true and what's, what's not true. And people freaked out. And so they tried to walk it back. It was a little bit late because we all kind of saw what happened there. But this, this act of trying to manipulate words and trying to change what these words mean, this is something that has, this is something that has, has deep roots in Eden. All right, where it's the, the act of the serpent to try to manipulate what is true, to try to question what really what, what words really mean. Like, did God really say this? And when we as a culture uh, begin changing the definitions of words for the sake of an agenda, and when Christians get caught up in this stuff, we bring ourselves to the same ruin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Within Sodom and Gomorrah, they were very they were very liberal in what their what their words meant. It says that it really began. In Sodom and Gomorrah, it began with them forsaking the truth of God for a lie. They knew the truth about God, but they suppressed that truth so they could get away with wickedness. And they no longer worshipped God, but they instead worshipped his creation. And so God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. What, what we see listed in, as some of the symptoms of that depravity in Sodom and Gomorrah, yes, they're homosexual in nature, but it's not always manifested that way. What began in Sodom and Gomorrah was abandoning the truth of God for a lie. Sodom and Gomorrah's ruin is used in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, to convey the same kind of ruin that comes upon a culture that denies truth. When you deny the truth of God for a lie, and you begin bickering over what words mean, you're now, you've now put your own compass for truth itself in flux. You've asked the classic question of Pontius Pilate, what is truth? And we saw referred to at the end of 1 Timothy. When people do this, when the ground beneath you begins to shift, you begin questioning like what is true at all, it's going to lead you to ruin. It's useless, by the way, and it leads to the ruin of those who listen. If people get caught up in this, it's going to ruin them too. Watch out. Watch out. If you begin to convey to children a false sense of truth, and you begin to try to manipulate kids, watch out, Disney, watch out. You begin to try to manipulate them to see things differently from their parents by calling into question the meanings of words like gender, for example. This is just, I'm not dunking on this. I'm not obsessed with this particular topic. It's just the most readily obvious example of the same kind of thing happening in our culture today. Like, watch out if you begin to lead little ones astray because the Lord has harsh words. In Matthew 18, some of the harshest words were reserved for those who would lead little ones astray who were in Christ. It's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea than to cause one of those little ones who believes in Jesus to go astray. That's harsh words. That's Jesus talking. When you begin to lead little ones astray, you begin to try to manipulate truth and you lead people away, it's ruinous, eternally ruinous 
for you. And if you get caught up in this debate, you get caught up in the, the, the debates of the meanings of words, and you begin to, 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 to cause others to stumble too. It's, it's ruinous for those who listen, he says in verse 14. So instead, remind the church of these things, Paul tells Timothy. If we die with him, we'll live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. When we're faithless, he's faithful. So don't get caught up in the, the war that's being waged within the dictionary and what words mean. Instead, focus on these things. Remind yourself of these things. If you die in Christ, you'll live with him forever. If you submit to him, you'll reign with him. If you deny him, he'll deny you. But the truth is, man, if you're, even when you're faithless, he remains faithful because you're in him and he cannot deny himself. When he looks at you, he sees himself. You are a co-heir with Christ. Remind the church of that truth because it lasts forever. Don't get caught up in the squabbling of a relative truth culture. Instead, remember these things because these things have been true since eternity past and they'll be true forevermore.